Can you hear me? I was on mute. Some people would like to do that more often than just that. Morning family, how are we all doing? I need to mention that the uh, Chinese community this morning have four baptisms, which does mean that we're going to have to do pretty rapid stuff. Mel's going to have to work fairly hard to get the baptistry out before the Chinese service. But if any of our English family could be a part of the Chinese family, I'm sure they would appreciate the relationship that we might support them in. Uh, exciting times to have four baptisms. So if, if you're uh, able to do that, can I invite you to stay around uh, for the service? won't be at the beginning of the service because uh, um, there's going to be a sermon at the beginning. Nice, short, sharp and Chinese sermon, the same as you're going to hear in the English congregation. But the Chinese have a habit of doing witnesses about what's going on with each baptism. And so it'll take a while. But come and, come and share. They'd love to see you. Uh, Richard's told me that, I know. <laughs> Don't worry about it. All, all will be well. Let me read to you from that reading that... Uh, um, we're working with today. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the household and line of David. He went there to register with Mary who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Well, I, I want to say to you that I think this is the most powerful text in the whole of the Bible. This is a bombshell text that uh, we need to ponder very carefully. It's a text that provides us with so many resources for pondering. For example, why in the world would God allow his son to come and be placed in a manger where cow poo and cow slobber and all the rest were in a manger that had not been washed out? Why would the father allow his son to come into that place? You talk to a doctor about that is probably the least healthy place in the world for a baby to be placed. We could talk about that. We could talk about the fact that uh, uh, Jesus is in the line of in the lineage of David, uh, and we could contemplate the effect of God's protection of the Davidic line in the Old Testament all the way down. Whenever the Davidic line was included in an issue. It was protected. Jesus was to be of the Davidic line and so the father protected his son's lineage right from the very beginning. We could talk about that. I mean, that just blows your mind. We could talk about a number of things but I want to say to you that I think this is the bombshell text of the whole of scripture for three reasons. I think there are three issues that we need to look at in this, in this scripture. when we get there. I am turned on.
and we're not working. Can we do something up there? Sorry, Rod. The three issues I was going to say. The first is, um, is a matter of understanding that this text is so benign, it almost says nothing. And it is a hallmark of the character of God that whatever he does is the reverse of what might happen in the same circumstance in our world. When the Lord of the universe comes, one would expect trumpets and blasts and everything. He comes as a little baby, not a grown-up boy, but a little baby who knows nothing about nothing and has got to be protected by his mum and dad and he's got to be protected by uh, other people. Can you do that for me? Let's move to the next one, should be free, and then go straight to the next one. All right. This is the Bonbas test. Text, this one. This is the text from which we recognise that the most outstanding, the most magnificent, the most all powerful, the most wonderful the great creator of eternity and the future and all that there ever has been, the one who threw the stars into space, the one who ordered them all by the power of his will, the one who knew every single thing about everything, decided to do something different, decided to, from outside of his universe, to step into his universe as somebody who has controlled by that universe. Now think about that. Wherever have we heard those ideas before? That the Lord, the great creator of an event, an issue, should choose to not leave behind his great power, but be prepared to step into that which he's created. And so, not yet. Yep. Bomb blast test. Now let me take a big step back. No, most outstanding, magnificent text in the whole of Scripture. The big bang of Genesis 1 and 2 is followed by generations later by the great entry. And in the great entry we see this magnificent sense of God himself stepping into this little bubble that he created when he created eternity, which has a, a, a little place in there called earth, which has this sense of time. Eternity has no sense of time, but in, in the, this bubble that he's created... God himself decides to step into, text is so gentle and benign that, that we, we just think it's a story. But this is a text which talks to us about the magnificence of God himself stepping into, from outside of the universe, stepping into his creation and being a part of that creation. Does he lose his power? Apparently not. And even as a baby he knew what was going on. This is a story which has been dulled by repetition. Uh, more than that, in the human mind, there's the temptation to reduce them all to the manageable. Let me give you one example of that. When they first post, uh, painted postcards in the United Kingdom, when they were giving out postcards several hundred years ago, they had to design a picture for Christmas that was balanced, that had people of power in the thing, that had little babies in it and had 
shepherds and a few, a few animals. And so uh, they, they painted a picture of the Christmas scene uh, with the uh, wise men there. They could be the power people. Hang on. The, the wise men didn't come until at least two years after Christmas. What are we doing in, as human beings with this story? I mean, Herod is the one who two years later has decided to slaughter all of the kids under two and then we discover that Jesus is now a refugee. The Lord of the universe has come but he's a refugee. He's been sent to Egypt. How long does he stay there? Well, he's in prison camp for probably a couple of years until Herod dies. This story is incredible. But let's not talk about those. Let's talk about those three issues that really hit us. The great entry is the first one. The virgin birth is the second one. And the end of the story is the third one. The great entry. The great, the awesome creator sets the universe in space and then we discover from John's Gospel that the one who did that was Jesus himself. In the beginning was the Word, that's Jesus, God's communication to humanity. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. So the one who created all things now steps into we could spend the morning pondering that, thinking about that. How can that possibly be? The great entry. The creator sits outside of the creation, setting in place a bubble with time dimensions called earth, and then in our text we see him come as a baby, chooses to enter into his creation. From outside of it, in total control of it, to inside it, to be contrived by all of its inherent parts. How does that happen? Who is this man? Who is this little baby? He grows up just as an ordinary child. My, my grandson's two or three at the moment and I can see Herod after him. And Luke calls this so she gave birth to her firstborn son. How more banal can you get than that? This is what, this is what that, that part of the verse encompasses. She gave birth to a son. The Lord of the universe, the master, the great creator, the author, the character who rules and maintains all things, steps into this world as a little baby with no power, with health problems when he's in the, in the uh, uh, manger, as a, as a refugee when he's whipped off to Egypt. He steps into this world and suddenly becomes overpowered almost by this world and everything this world represents. Everything is thrown at him. I wonder why. This phrase can be so bland to us, but it contains the most astounding truth. That God, in all things, came to us. The second is the virgin birth. This is important for us. I don't know whether you realise that the argument about the virgin birth is critically important to us as a church. In theological argument, you destroy the foundation of the argument and the superstructure topples due to lack of support. So if you build a great big superstructure on some theological idea, if you're having a discussion with another theologian, he won't be talking about the superstructure. He'll be talking about the foundation that lies at the bottom because he knows 
If you can find a fault in what you've said, the rest of it will topple. Is there any wonder that the world has wanted to get at the virgin birth for so long? Is there any wonder that Satan and the world seek to destroy the virgin birth? It is at the root of everything we are as the people of God. The virgin birth is critical to our faith. Are you aware of that? It's not something we can have a choice about. This has to do with whether our faith is real or true or not. Let me go through a couple of questions for you. Uh, How were you born again into the kingdom of God? I've given you a hint there. By the power of the Spirit of God. If Jesus is to be the firstborn of many brothers and sisters, how must he be born? He must be born of the Spirit as well. For those who God, those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. In the virgin birth, God introduces the most powerful force ever known for the healing and empowering of humanity. He introduces the Holy Spirit into the, into the nature of the world, into the character of, of interaction between humanity and God. He introduces the Holy Spirit by the birth of Jesus Christ and then says, now that is the way my people will be born into my kingdom. The foundation stone of my kingdom is the virgin birth. The foundation stone of my kingdom is the presence of the Spirit in everything that we do, everything that we say, everything that we believe. Issue number three. Are they, is that not a power? Do you want to stop and think about those two? Well, it's enough, isn't it? Let's do issue number three. Issue number three is, is this the end of the story? Well, what happens, you see, and you don't pick it from that verse, but that little verse, and Jesus came and there was a baby, etc., that verse predicates for us the pattern through history to the end of the world, the explosion of this earth. It sets in place the pattern of the development of all history So that at the end of history, the world explodes and is broken forever. This verse says it. (laughs) It can be so cosy to stay with the Christmas message and never let Jesus grow up. While he remains a baby, you're in control. And you can keep him at a respectable distance. But the Christmas story didn't finish at Christmas. It had only just begun. It was continued on the cross. God the Father knew from the moment of his initiation of Jesus into the world that there would be a time when Jesus would go to the cross to take the sin of the world upon his shoulders. 30 years after his birth, he was nailed to a cross between two thieves. The Bible tells us that Christ died on the cross Because he loves us. He died to bring us back into a right relationship with God and he died to give us life. How are you with that? Where do you sit in that? John 3.16, well-known text. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. This is not told at Christmas. It was continued at the resurrection. 
the story began and inevitably, inexorably moved as it should until Jesus was resurrected from the dead. The story continues. Death could not hold him. If life is the resurrection of Christ means anything at all, it means that the story of Christ continues today. It continues in your life, it continues in my life, because we face the notion that one day all of us certainly will go to one place. And on the basis of what Jesus Christ has done for us, our destiny and our agreement with what he's done, our destiny lies before us. Christ is alive and well and active in this world today. But this continuing message only becomes real in individual lives. It doesn't happen in a church. So that if you join this church, you are encapsulated into the truth of it as one big family. It doesn't happen that way. He comes to us one by one. And he says to us, have you heard the story of Christmas? Did you know that the story of Christmas tells you about how I want to bring you back into my fold? Did you know that the Christmas story tells you I love you? Did you know that the little baby only 30 years after he's born is going to be crucified? Did you know that? What does it mean to you? This new life has enabled millions to triumph through the most difficult of circumstances. What does it mean to you? It will be concluded when that same Son of God returns inside his creation to draw it to a close. We see all sorts of signs in our world at the moment of that as a possibility. Not in the near future, I think, but in a while. For if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come back and I'll take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. The story which starts as a little baby inexorably works through to the point where this world explodes, literally. This text is the bombshell text of the Bible. When Jesus returns, time will be no more. Believers will live together forever in the kingdom of God for eternity. And this all happens because of Christmas. Will you let Jesus grow up? Will let Jesus grow up in everything he is to you? Be who he's supposed to be? This whole story of Christmas that has burst into our existence and changed, has burst into our existence and changed our lives forever. This bombshell text which looks so benign when you read it contains all the power and the authority and the greatness and the majesty of a God choosing to do exactly what he planned to do from the very beginning. If he has achieved over time in history all of the things he planned from the beginning, will he do what he says he will do at the end times? Of course. Of course. May God bless you as if you see the total story and its continuing meaning. Meaning. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that this story about you, which seems so simple and so straightforward, contains within it the bombshell truths of your grace and your majesty, 
your great, great power, your amazing authority, your powerful love, your grace and your mercy, all exposed at Christmas time. Amen. Amen.